And in order to show me his, his compassion, he needed to show me that God was no respecter of persons. He did that by sending me patients who were really uh, somewhat uh, out of control. Uh, one of these was a lady who had <clears throat> tremendous big weeping sores on her legs. She was nearly blind. She was massively obese. She was very ill-tempered. Uh, she was out of control as a person, almost deranged. And she showed up at our office, swinging her cane and bothering the nurses. But really a disturbance to the whole office. And she was referred to me as a patient. And I, I thought, okay, I'm a pulmonologist for crying out loud, you know. It's like the elephant sitting down at the piano saying, what is this? I'm a flutist for crying out loud, you know. I felt that way, you know. And so I said, well, find out where she came from. She needs to see a, a vascular specialist. And then she checked on, the nurse checked on it, and she says, the vascular specialist referred her to you. <laughs> and I thought, this is really wild. And, you know, I, I began to get an idea there because I think the, the Lord had at that point in time given me a heart for people to share the gospel. And so I thought, there's only one reason why she's here, and that's to hear the gospel. How deep is your knowledge of God? If you're like me, you'd say, not very. Would you like to know Him better? How does God help us know Him in a deeper way? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the first of three podcasts featuring former Kansas Communities Ministry Director Dr. Richard Spann. Dr. Spann addressed our men's retreat in April 2023 and reminded us that he felt that every problem that we have in our Christian walk can be solved if we had a perfect knowledge of God. I know you're really going to enjoy today's podcast as Richard helps us understand how God reveals himself to us and helps us understand the Lord's goals for us as we reach others for him. One of my favorite things to think about and to study and to evaluate in my own life is to deepen my knowledge of God. And the reason for this, I firmly believe that nearly every problem, in fact, every problem that we have in our Christian walk can be solved if we had the knowledge of God that we should have. Christ had a perfect knowledge of God, and He had perfect confidence in God, and even in the worst times, He looked to Him to be a source and strength, never wavered. John 17, 3 says, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So the business of eternity is deepening our knowledge of God. It will never end. It will go on forever. I think we'll continue to grow and increase in our knowledge of God. And I think the sooner we get a grasp on that, the more we are effective at doing that, not only the better and more effective our lives and more peaceful they are here, but I think we prepare ourselves for our eternal occupation of knowing God. So we're going to look at some information concerning this. And uh, I'd like to look at this in four categories. Number one, we need to understand that God draws us to himself. Uh, He draws us all differently, in different ways, with different circumstances, using different verses, different people. Our journey is different. I'm going to share the journey in brief that God 
had for me to draw me to him. But I do this also like we did in the session last night. I want to encourage you to look in, in your history and see how God drew you, what he used, what people, what circumstances were important. Uh, secondly, God directs us in our search to know him. <clears throat> I think he lays certain uh, thoughts, certain ways of understanding him before you. And I think he's very interested in helping you draw close to him uh, through knowing things about him. And then three, we'll look at how God delights to reveal himself to us through circumstances, through his word, through events that are totally unpredictable, and you might say miraculous. And then lastly, God desires to know him by name. So we'll look first at God draws us to himself. And I think that my story of God drawing him to self was somewhat paralleled by last night. But I did grow up in a Christian home, attended church, followed him, what I thought was most effectively way I could. Came back to Wichita and in probably six months to a year had a very effective practice, was busy, uh, wife, young daughter. Uh, I'd passed my board exams. There are board exams in internal medicine, pulmonary disease, board certified. And uh, I figured like, you know, I've reached my career goal. About that same time, I discovered that my father-in-law was very interested in prophecy, and he gave me a book of prophecy on Revelation by Alfred Seiss, S-E-I-S-S, written back in 1890, three-volume set, but fascinating study. And I began to think about that, <clears throat> to think about the fact that, you know, this life is not all there is. My career is not all there is. There's a, there's a future here that God may be wanting me to look at. So those two things happened about the same time. The third thing that happened about the same time was our church. We were married in a church, children baptized in a church there in Wichita. Our folks were in that church, but that church kind of fell apart, kind of fell apart, just disintegrated through some squabbling and so forth. Maybe some of you have experienced that in a church, you've been in at times, but it dissolved. It really dissolved. And my question of the Lord at that time was, you know, we came back to Wichita to attend this church, and now this church is kind of gone. What, What is it that you have in store for me? And I think the Lord said to me, now that you've reached your career goals for your life, let me, let me show you what my goals are for your life. And uh, what he said was, it begins by being available to me. And I, I have discovered since then, <clears throat> I think something is true for all of us, the only ability that God requires is our availability. The only ability that God requires of us is our availability. If we make our lives available to Him, He can do anything He wants with that. The first part of Mark 3.14 says He appointed 12 to be with Him. And that's what He, what he wanted me to do, is simply to be available with Him. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come, come unto me, all you that labor, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. You'll have rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So he wanted me to spend time with him, to get apart with him, and I began to do that. And uh, began to do that in my, um, in my practice time and in the time with <clears throat> at home. 
and to go to a better book room and then get books by A.W. Tozer, Andrew Murray, and the like, and to really treasure that walk with him. After a period of time, after about six months of doing this and changing my, my practice somewhat to be available to him, um, he said, uh, I have something else for you in mind. You know, we can meet some time else during the day, but I'd like for you to get to know your patients. I'd like for you to spend time with them. I'd like you to go back and visit them. And so I found that I needed to adjust my schedule to do that, and I began to cut down a little bit in the patient time in the morning. I just cut back my office about a half an hour, cut it back about an hour in the afternoon. I would go back the patients that I'd seen to take care of medically in the morning. I would go back and visit with uh, later on in the morning or in the afternoon, talk with them, pray with them, uh, ask them little questions about their spiritual journey, have a chance to talk with them about the Lord. And I think this was what he wanted to do me to do in order to understand uh, more about himself, because I think he really wanted me not only to invest in them, but he wanted me to teach me some things that he knew uh, about himself that I didn't know as yet. And Philemon, Philemon 6 says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full appreciation of every good thing we have in Christ. There are some things that I needed to know about Christ that I could only learn from investing my time with others. <clears throat> One of these is in Matthew 9.36. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had pity on them, compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And in order to show me his, his compassion, he needed to show me that God was no respecter of persons. He did that by sending me patients who were really somewhat uh, out of control. Uh, one of these was a lady who had <clears throat> tremendous big weeping sores on her legs. She was nearly blind. She was massively obese. She was very ill-tempered. Uh, she was out of control as a person, almost deranged. And she showed up at our office swinging her cane and bothering the nurses, really a disturbance to the whole office. And she was referred to me as a patient. And I, I thought, okay, I'm a pulmonologist for crying out loud, you know. It's like the elephant sitting down at the piano saying, what is this? I'm a flutist for crying out loud, you know. I felt that way, you know. And so I said, well, find out where she came from. She needs to see a, a vascular specialist. She needs to see a vascular specialist. And then she checked on, the nurse checked on it, and she says, the vascular specialist referred her to you. <laughs> and I thought, this is really wild. And, you know, I, I began to get an idea there because I think the, the Lord had at that point in time given me a heart for people to share the gospel. And so I thought there's only one reason why she's here, and that's to hear the gospel. She really wasn't very interested initially, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to spend some time with her, and, and we begin to treat her, do what we can. So she'd come back every couple of weeks and found out that she uh, lived in a hilltop, which is a little area about four blocks from where our church was. So discussed it with my wife, and I said, well, maybe we ought to, ought to pick her up and take her to church. So we did. We started taking our church with us. 
spending time with her. Gradually, her deportment improved, uh, but not tremendously. But I noticed gradually as we would take her to church at Hope, she did have more interest in the gospel. And gradually, after about a year, she did come to know the Lord. And I think that what the Lord wanted to show me was a real compassion for the people who were really lost. The other patient that he used to show me this was a young man that was in his late 20s. And uh, he was referred to me from another doctor with a, a kind of a long-standing three or four-week history of cough, fever, kind of some chills. I had lost some weight, about 10, 12 pounds. His x-ray showed some infiltrates. He had been on a couple of antibiotics. So I thought, this is not the usual uh, infection. So I put him in the hospital, did a lung biopsy. And it came back with kind of a strange organism. It was an organism that you only see in lung transplants and cancer patients. So I questioned him. I said, you know, this is an unusual organism. Uh, people like you shouldn't have that. And he kind of demurred, did not really say much about his history. And uh, so finally, a day or two later, we found out that he was a homosexual, been out to a party in California, came back, and uh, he had what at that time they called HTLV. The name AIDS had not been really fully recognized. We were the first patient in Kansas with AIDS. Uh, and so gradually I, <clears throat> I resisted a little bit the Lord's nudging to become his friend and to spend time with him. But gradually over the next month or two, I realized that the Lord, he was there for that purpose. So gradually get the, I had the opportunity to spend time with him and share the gospel. He came to know the Lord. And I think the Lord again was showing me <clears throat> the value of each individual. Uh, and he not only came to know the Lord, but he, he actually attended one of our navigator conferences. Some of you have probably met him. He was at one of our navigator conferences back in 1980 at uh, Southeast High School. So he only lived about a year and a half. Back then, we had no medication for AIDS whatsoever. We had one drug that we used every month, which treated a specific infection. <clears throat> My office nurse would inject that. But other than that, there was no way, really, to minister physically to him. The other thing that the Lord wanted me to know is a verse in 836, the value of a human being, the worth of an individual. Mark 836 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? According to that, uh, one soul is worth than the entire world. One soul. So that answers the question, how much time and effort is 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 validated in spending time to reach one soul. Had an individual, he was about 50 years of age. He ran a nursery in the south part of Wichita. Became friends. He and his whole family eventually were my patients. But I began to share with him a little bit of the fact that we were starting some Bible studies at our home. We'd like to invite him and his family just to come over and read the Bible together. He looked at me and he said, no, <laughs> no. And so about five years later, I asked him again, and he said, well, let me think about that. Three days later, he said, no, don't want to do it. Uh, time went on, and I'd visit with him a little bit, but no interest. And about 20 years later, he was admitted to the hospital. And a friend of mine had told me that if the mind is closed, you can speak to the heart. And I really valued that advice. If the mind is closed, you can speak to the heart. So I visited him in the hospital. I brought him a little book of Psalms. 
and where it talked about God's love and compassion and, and mercy. And uh, he, I didn't know what he would do with that. But when I saw him at his office, or not his office, but at his nursery next month, he says, I love that book. I, I read it morning and night. It's right there by my bedstead. And that really broke through to him, the heart of God's love for him. Not any demands put on him for behavior or belief, but just to really experience God's love. So from that point on, we began to spend more time together. <clears throat> we would have lunch together, and, and uh, my wife would go out with uh, he and his wife, and, and our relationship deepened. Uh, but he still was resistant to really talking further about the gospel, and I would share that with him. Finally, he retired and moved, and uh, a friend of mine had passed away. And at his funeral, there were some little booklets. So I sent him one. And I got a, a, a note back. He says, I have loved that booklet. Send me some more. So he really, at that point in time, was ready to receive the gospel. And he did then receive the gospel when he was age 92, which was about 42 years after we first met. So I think the Lord was showing me the value of Mark 8, 36. How much effort, how much time, from the Lord's standpoint, is worth going after an individual? <clears throat> That's what the Lord wanted me to learn from Him, being available to the lost. The incredible worth of the individual. Wasn't that inspiring and helpful? Join us next time for part two of this series as Dr. Spann relates more about our personal walk with God right here on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.